Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by Joe God in honor of the Kahal. I'm wishing the entire Kahal Hatzlacha. As well, dedicated in loving memory of Amy Haber, Aleah Shalom, Lilu Nishmat, Gitul Bracha Bat Alta Leah, an amazing mother, wife, daughter, and friend during the week of her Azkara. We love and miss you. By Jimmy and Nathan Haber. Ruach Adonai Breakfast in the Class also dedicated loving memory of Akram Darwish, Lilu Nishmat Abraham and Salcha. Sponsored by his son, Charles Darwish. Dedicated in loving memory, Lilun Ishmael Yitzhak Ben Yosef. Sponsored by his son, Joseph Ishmael. Ruach uh, Eden. As well, breakfast in class dedicated in loving memory of Malka Simantov. Aleha Shalom. Lilun Ishmael Malka Badinam Mashiach. Aleha Shalom. Sponsored by his son, Simon Simantov. And in loving memory of Rahma Dayan. Lilun Ishmael Rahma Bat Esther. Aleha Shalom. Sponsored by Yaron Dahan. Uh, as well, breakfast in the class dedicated in loving memory in Lulu Nishmat, Angela Shochet, Angel Bat Lulu, and in honor of Haron Shochet, who embodies her angelic traits, love the kids. We should all be Zochet to have our kids speak about us that way. And finally, um, dedicated as well for the Rafuash Shalema of Yeshaya Ben uh, Lara. I am putting before you, I want you to see that I am putting before you blessing and a curse. The blessing is that you should listen to the mitzvot of Hashem your God that I'm commanding you today. And the curse, if you don't listen. Now, I always thought that this is such a strange pasuk. Uh, and until you really wrap your head around it, you don't really hear and it doesn't resonate the message that Borei Olam is giving us. What God is saying is, I need you to see, you're standing at a fork in the road. There's a road that leads off to the left and one that leads off to the right. And it's not the Garden State Parkway and the I-95. It's not the turnpike and, uh, you know, and the, the exit to the Lincoln, whatever, Lincoln Tunnel. That's not how the roads look and they're not, it's not how they're labeled. There's two roads in front of you. They are simply labeled as Bracha and Klala. What consists of? What, is, what makes up the road that's called Beracha? Asher Tishmu'u, that you listen to God's mitzvot. You do the right thing. What's the road of Kilala? The road of Kilala is when a person doesn't listen to Hashem's commandments, to his mitzvot, doesn't stay away from the sins, from the things, the mistakes that he's supposed to avoid. Now, this pasuk, it seems to me that God should actually have said to us, I'm placing in front of you a sin, and a mitzvah. But God doesn't say that. His, uh, the, the koteret, the, uh, the chapter heading is, the roads are called blessing and curse. And I'm think, I think God is doing this for a very specific reason. He's communicating to us one of the most powerful concepts in human psychology. And that is that the, uh, the, the, the way a person lives their life is primarily led by the way they think about the things that they do. So let me give you an example. Let's say I, uh, um, what's it called? I work back-breaking work all day long. I pick these things up, I put them down, right? I'm sweating, it's very difficult. I get home at the end of the day, I'm sore, and the guy, my boss, decides not to pay me. Forget about it. I slash his tires, I go majnun. I did all that work, I sweat, I'm, my body is broken, my back is killing, you know, my, my aching, black and blue marks, you don't gonna pay me? 
But if we call that the gym, then we pay the gym for the exact same thing. What's the difference? A name. In the gym you go and you're picking up weights and you're doing this thing. Not only that, there's a guy, 400 pounds of muscle, yelling and screaming at you, put it down. If the guy tried to do that to you at work, you'd file a harassment, right? You'd tell the, you'd call the human services at the boss's tree, look at how he's, the guy's yelling at you, calling you a loser, telling you to push it. You have more. Listen, this, uh, this is unworkable work conditions. It's amazing. If that's a job, then it's abuse. And if it's the gym, then it's, he's motivating. Isn't that interesting? How come you never said that about your boss? You, you, you know, you're working really hard, the presentation, you come five minutes late, the guy tells, you're a loser! You need to put the thing in on time! What kind of thing is this? This my, uh, you know, you, this guy, you, you know, you report him. But if he's a trainer, oh, he's the best trainer. What's the difference? A name. You know, there's a famous line from Shakespeare where Shakespeare used to say, a rose by any other name would be, right? Would a rose by any other name be as lovely? This idea that the name of something does or does not make a difference, Borei Olam is saying, it makes a difference and it makes all the difference in the world. What if we shifted our mindset away from the fact that this was something which was an obligation and we started to call mitzvot blessings? I'm blessed. You know why? Because I get to do this. Because I get to do that. Not because I have to do this. And I have to do that, but because I get to do this. My friends, uh, we're all familiar with a, a, a very, very uh, beautiful icon and role model of our, let's extend it, but our extended generation. His name was Rav Aryeh Levine, and he was called the Sadiq of Yerushalayim. Now, today, you call a guy a Sadiq, you think he's a Sadiq because he learns Torah, because he prays. But the definition of Sadiq in the terminology of Rabbi Arya Levine was someone who really was more of an angel than a man. But what I love most about the stories which quantify his tzedkut is about how real, how piercing, and how clear his definition of chesed, of Torah, and mitzvot was. You know, there was once... Uh, a young father who passed away, leaving behind young kids. So Rav Arya Levine comes and he turns up at the, at the Shiva house. And all these kids are crying, they're devastated, they're lonely, they've lost their role model, they lost their breadwinner, they don't know what's going to be, who's going to comfort them, the mother's off in the corner crying to herself, who's going to take care? Rav Arya Levine came, he sits down with the kids, he says, listen, I know you had very bad news today, you lost your father. But I want to tell you, he said, you lost one father and you got another. Pause. I'm reading the story. You know in your brain when you already know the end of the story? So, right? So if it was me and I was the rabbi in that situation, I would say, you got a new father. Hashem is your father. Right? You understand? That's not what the rabbi said. Rabbi Levine said, you have a new father. From now on, I'm your dad. If you need money... If the leak roof is leaking, if you need school books, you call me. If you have problems, if you can't do your homework, call me and I'll come and I'll do homework with you. What an unbelievable uh, uh, mind shift in the way, you know, we come, many of us during Shiva, 
And we make a lot of empty promises. Whatever you need. Yeah, call me. Whatever you need. Uh, I'll be with you 100%. Really, really. Do you, do you offer to do homework? Did you offer the guy who's sitting shiva, you know that his business is struggling. Did you say to him, look, whatever you need, call me, I'll give you a short-term loan. You know, I know that you're cash poor right now, and now you're going to take a week off of the business, it's going to be a disaster. Call me at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, and I'll advance you 50000 so you can pay the workers because you've been closed all this time. And if you lose the workers in this week, you're not going to find new ones because there's a stinking labor shortage. Words are very different than when someone thinks so clearly and expresses what they want to give to you, how you could use them. Rabbi Ari Levine was a Sadiq because that was the way that he thought. My friends, but I think the reason why Rabbi Ari Levine thought that way was because when he saw a mitzvah, he saw it as the biggest blessing in his life. And therefore, who asks for a shorter blessing? I'll give you uh, an example. I have a thing my whole life. People would ask me as a rabbi for berachot. I don't know, I don't give berachot. I'm not a bracha giver. I don't know, I'm not the uh, baba, long beard, you know, tell you do this, here, write the name of Hashem on a paper, put it in your nose, you're going to have a shiduch. It's not my thing. I'm not a, you know, I'm, that's not how I am. I'm not built that way. Also, I don't think I have the merit to be able to give berachot. But I have to say, I made a terrible mistake. Because this summer, um, I went to an event for Migdal, uh, Migdal Aor uh, from the in organization of Rabbi Grossman. And Rabbi Grossman spoke, excuse me, Rabbi Grossman and others also, I think Rabbi Yadid spoke at the event. And he mentioned the Gemara, and I went to the Gemara, and I learned the Gemara, and I must tell you, I felt terrible after I learned the Gemara. The Gemara brings a pasuk that says, Hamutzi yakar mizulel What does that mean? Someone takes... Yakar mizulel, someone takes something uh, precious from something not so precious, from something downtrodden. he shall be like my mouth. And the Gemara says on that pasuk that if a person teaches the son of Am Haaretz Torah, if he gives, extends, he brings someone close to Judaism who otherwise would have been very far away. even if I make a gezerah, God says. Even if I decree a decree in heaven that something bad is supposed to happen to someone, he can come along and undo my gezerot. That's what the Gemara says. Now, I don't know if I have the merits as a tzaddik for my actions or for my Torah to give berachot. I don't think I do, which is why I never gave berachot all these years. But all of a sudden I realized, look, I, I do deal in outreach. I do give classes online. Maybe someone somewhere got some uh, inspiration from something I've said. And then maybe God gives you the power to be able. And here's someone who has a gizerah against them. They're coming to ask you for a beracha. And you know what? Maybe today, on this day, in this hour, you could have given them a beracha and undone the gizerah that they're dealing with. The difficulty, the challenge that they're going through. And I thought to myself how selfish of me it is to not at least give it a try. What do we have to lose? What is it we have to lose? The guy's asking you and you're saying no, so you can feel like an anav in yourself. So I, th- I realized I made a mistake. So I'll give berachot. Small, whatever. Never in my life did I have someone say to me, Rabbi, that berachot was too long. 
No, you're blessing for Shiduch and Parnassah and Mazal and Chinuch Yeladim and I should grow in Torah and Mitzvah and, and I mean, dichit, like a little bit, Rabbi, come on. No one ever has said that. When a person looks at something as a biracha, then they want to make it as expansive as possible. They want to stretch it as much as possible. When you look at something like a kilala, what, what do you want to do? You want to make it as... I think sometimes, sometimes, mechila, sometimes we look at mitzvot like the kilalot. You have a guy who bothers you for sedakah, fikni, hajj, enough. Right? The guy is... That's looking at a mitzvah like it's a kilala. You know, you're walking through the guy, you know, he didn't, you didn't, make, he didn't make eye contact with you on the way out in the hallway. And I'm not saying it's easy after you get bothered five times, six times, ten times. I'm not saying it's easy. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not a beracha. And I must share, with, share this with you, and because it's not about tzedakah. I have a guy who t- we were just talking the other day, a person I'm very close with. And he's making a beracha. And he said a beracha like we all say a beracha. So I said to him, you're making a beracha to God. Just make the tiniest space. Just give me a crack of daylight between each word. Even if, Stop between each word. Why are you minimizing beracha? And I sometimes think to myself, I'm imagining Borei Olam saying, I'm giving you all these berachot, and my children, the recipients of these berachot, they're not seeing them for the berachah that they are. So they're running through the blessing. The berachah that God gives you is dependent on the berachot that you make, the way you recognize and appreciate and show gratitude for his things. You ever see a rich guy count his money? <laughs> right, he's, he's very, takes his time, it's beautiful. Right? This is his earnings. This is what he done. He goes over this property, this, his yacht, his boat, his, uh, his plane, Mabaref, all the things he has. He enjoys looking at all the things. There's nothing more valuable than the words in that beracha. But the challenge that a person uh, faces is being able to see the mitzvot as a beracha. So I want to play a psychological trick on ourselves, if that's okay. I want to try, just try this week, Switch the word mitzvah, switch the word tefillah, switch the word Torah for the word beracha. Honey, um, I'll not have to decide. I have this, uh, don't say I have this class at 7 o'clock. I'm not sure if I should go. Say I have this beracha at 7 o'clock. I'm not sure if I should go. <laughs> Very different. Right? I had this beracha this morning. You don't know. I was bothered during shacharit by 10 berachot. Change, let's change the language for a couple of days and let's see perhaps the change in language will create for us a change in attitude and that change in attitude will change things for us in a, in a remarkable way. And I'd like to just end, if I can, <clears throat> with, this, uh, with this last point. <clears throat> you know... Um, there's a very famous bakery in Israel. It's called Angel's Bakery. We call it Angel's. What do they call it over there in Israel? Angel. Angel. I remember one time I came to Israel and I was like, uh, excuse me, could you tell me uh, how to get to Angel's Bakery? This Israeli looked at me like I was the worst piece of scum on the earth. 
Maze angel. Angel. <laughs> I'm like, it's an English word. <laughs> I'm saying it right. You're saying it wrong. Maze angel. Anyway. So there's, an, there's a famous bakery in Israel. It's the largest bakery in Israel. It's called Angel's Bakery. There was a great rabbi who said and attributed the success of Angel's Bakery to the original owner of the place, Mr. Angel. Okay? This man, when he started the bakery, he had a keen eye for tzedakah. He realized that there were people out there who couldn't even afford the few pennies that it would cost to get bread. Angel's bread, by the way, at least least the the non-fancy one, it's subsidized by the government. There's a few things in Israel that are subsidized by the government. They cost a couple shekel back in the day. I'm sure it's a little bit higher now, but bread and milk, certain things in in Israel are subsidized. They're very, very cheap. But there were people who couldn't even afford the small amount that it would cost for a loaf of bread. So he would tell them, yeah, take these bread, don't worry, you know, it's fine, um, you don't have to pay me, or pay me later. And he would feed literally people who had no food to eat. You know, we don't understand this. It's not part of our society anymore that people don't have literally food to eat. We think about people who don't have like the, the right kinds of food or nice food. There's an organization called Got Chicken. They want to make sure that you have chicken. The idea that there's an organization that says we have to get you chicken is in and of itself a sign of the wealth of our times, right? Because back in the day, like, what do you mean get chicken? The guy has bread? <laughs> like, you know, he's enough. He's eating. He's surviving. I don't care if he has, you know, uh, protein. So the, the fact that this time that people could not even afford bread illustrated the poverty that was prevalent at the time in Israel. Mr. Angel noticed that there were poor people who even when he offered them a loaf of bread, it was too hard for them to take the bread. They felt, you know, like a mooch. I came yesterday, I couldn't pay, you gave me. I came today, again, I couldn't pay. You know, what am I going to do? It's, it's, it's not right. What did this man do? What does a man who sees mitzvot like berachot do? You don't want it? Okay, fine, don't take it. I can't help, you can't help a person who doesn't want to help themselves. I could lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. We have a thousand statements that we could have said. But that's not, that's not Mr. Angel did, and that's not why he was blessed. What did Mr. Angel do? He started telling his bakers to bake loaves of bread that were misshapen, that were broken. And then when the Ani would come to the bakery, he would tell them, look, I have the one over here, look, it's not straight, it's bent broken. I can't sell it anyway. You're doing me a favor. I'm going to throw it in the garbage. Please, take it home to your wife and kids. What a gorgeous outlook. That's a person who's chasing birachot, not mitzvot. Sometimes the English words that we use, they, uh, they confound us because the way we translate mitzvot, mitzvot is commandments. We're commanded to do this and we're commanded to do that and we have to do this and we must do that. And if you don't do it, but what if we changed our language? How praiseworthy is our lot. We were chosen from all the nations. And he gave us this gift, the gift of Torah and mitzvot. What if we saw every mitzvah as a gift, as a beracha? how different our lives would look. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Hananiah ben Agashah, Meretzah, Kadosh Baruch Hu.